Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Conversations, random, off-the-cuff discussions on all things paranormal. Welcome to Paranormal Conversations number one. Kelly, we've got some more content here for everybody. We certainly do. We've got a brand new podcast here that we're throwing into the feed with History Goes Bump. We hope you guys will enjoy it. We're going to be interviewing a lot of different people. Some of them are in the paranormal field and some are just regular people like you and me, Kelly, or maybe fellow podcasters. It's just a loose conversation where we talk about different things about the paranormal. And we are very honored that on this very first episode, we have Jim Harold of the Paranormal Podcast and Jim Harold's Campfire joining us. We think you guys are really going to enjoy how we pick Jim's brain and hear about what he thinks a ghost is and hear some of the scariest stories, or should I say, weirdest tales he's ever heard. We hope you guys enjoy it. We are joined by a pioneer podcaster who has been entertaining people around the world for nearly two decades, talking about a variety of subjects from the paranormal to true crime to classic TV and even love stories with his wife. He has over 60 million downloads of his podcasts and has written several best-selling books. He's been an inspiration to podcasters like myself and brings a warm charm to even the most bizarre stories. And despite having a success that could spawn a big ego, he's just an all-around nice guy. Please welcome acclaimed podcaster and host of the Paranormal Podcast, Jim Harold. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. It's an honor. Thank you for joining us. Good to be here. Well, we are honored to be joined by you, Jim. I have to tell you, I think I know when you started the podcast. I know I started listening in 2008, and I just loved it because you reminded me a lot of Art Bell from Coast to Coast. Thank you. Thank you. And you've covered so many different topics for that. And I loved that I could listen to it whenever I wanted to. You were, as I said, a pioneer into podcasting. People have no idea how much you had to like use electrical tape and wire things together to try to do this podcasting thing. Can you tell us about when you first got started and why you decided to start podcasting? 
Well, it, it grew out of two things. One, uh, I was a frustrated broadcaster. I had worked in radio for a number of years in other media as an ad salesperson, but that wasn't the way it was supposed to work out. I was supposed to be in front of the camera or in front of the mic. That's what I went to school for, to be a broadcaster. But uh, I just kind of fell into uh, an ad job with a radio station to try to get into broadcasting and just kept going and looked up and I had two little kids and uh, a wife and a mortgage. It wasn't like I was going to quit and go to Kentucky Paducah or something and become, you know, a, a reporter making minimum wage. I just it wasn't feasible. So uh, anyway, I heard about this thing called podcasting back in 2005. It actually really started in 2004, but this was 2005. And I heard about, I started listening to some other podcasts, Adam Curry from MTV, people of a certain age will remember him in the big hair. He had one of the very early podcasts called Daily Source Code. And um, then Leo Laporte, the great tech journalist who continues to this day to be, he's really a pioneer, podcasting pioneer who continues to podcast to this day. And uh, I said, well, I don't know if I can do what Adam and Leo do, because these guys are such great podcasters. I listened to some of the homemade podcasts. And it's like, well, I might not be able to do what Adam and Leo can do, but I can do what those guys are doing. So I took my cheap Windows computer and my $40 headset and scoured the Internet to try to figure out how to cobble together a podcast in 2005. And uh, uh, believe you me, there was nowhere near the amount of information, but I figured it out. My first guest was Lloyd Auerbach. Who is a wow, that's a pretty big psychologist. first guest. I didn't realize, yeah, I didn't. And then I had Stanton Friedman, who was a legend uh, legend in UFOs, who broke open the Roswell case. And I'm like, you know, man, that was too, I, I, but the, I think the remarks were, what is a podcast anyway? <laughs> and that continued, and I'm sure, Diane, you can relate to this to some extent, that continued for years. Now everybody not only knows what a podcast is, most people have one. But uh, be that be that as it may, it really started out two things. Um, one, being a frustrated broadcaster, but two, the, and this is really important. And uh, you know, I know we recorded an interview for my show too. I grew up on In Search of, and from that time when I was like five, six years old, it really seven years old. It it really engendered an interest and a belief by me that the world is a far more mysterious place than we understand. And it stuck with me my whole life, growing up into my 30s, um, and I was in my 30s back when I started the Paranormal Podcast. I, I would always go to a bookstore or a library and go right to the paranormal section. It always fascinated me. So when I was deciding what to do for a podcast, I said, well, I want it to be something I'm really interested in, not something that I'm going to do two shows and I'm going to go, boy, this is boring. Essentially, I just decided to do it on the paranormal, and there were so few paranormal podcasts out there. I think Paracast was out there. Very few. That's the only one that I think is still going that was there when I started. So I thought, well, it's paranormal, and it's a podcast, paranormal podcast. I'll call it the paranormal podcast, because they say now, don't put podcast in your name. But hey, give me a break, folks. Podcasting just started. I didn't know any better, but it's worked out great. And uh, started that, then uh, Jim Harold's Campfire in 2009, and started some premium shows back in like 2011. And 2012, I went full-time, and I've been full-time ever since. This will be my 10-year anniversary of being a full-time podcaster. So I'm very blessed, I'm very thankful that I get to talk to great folks like you about spooky stuff, and I get to do that for a living. That's pretty cool. Well, and I said in the intro that you've been an inspiration to podcasters. And for me, it was very inspiring because the thing about you, Jim, is you're independent. 
I mean, you do all of this stuff yourself. And when I was listening to you, I'm like, wait, I mean, this is a guy who's doing his own podcast and he's not on the radio. He doesn't have an editor and a producer and all this other stuff. I'm like, this is something that I could do because he's able to do it. And then I started noticing, of course, that you were making a living doing it too. So I'm like, this is something that you could actually make a living with as well. And as you said, not only did you have to try to get people to understand what a podcast was to begin with, because nobody had a clue about that. I would always just say, well, it's kind of like a radio show you can listen to whenever you want to, but also how you would monetize that kind of thing. Right. And, 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 and honestly, I had a little, well, a couple of things. At that time, I did everything myself. At, at this point, I do have some help. My virtual assistant, Maddie, has been with me several years and she does the booking and will help, you know, do quality control listening. She does writing for a show now that my daughter is doing unpleasant dreams. I'm very proud of. So I have help these days and my daughters both know how to edit and so forth. So they're part time employees of the company. So I have help now, but I didn't have any help back then. And it was just a case of like, If you want to do something badly enough, you'll figure out how to do it. And I did have a bit of a leg up because what I did is I just took the principles that I learned in radio and applied them to podcasting. So I had a little bit of an advantage, but a lot of it was kind of figuring it out as you went along. That's that's been a huge part of the journey is just kind of like saying, well, we'll try this and we'll see if it works. We'll try that and see if it works. And that's what I love about it. I was telling somebody the other day, I get to do the... um, you know, I get to do the, the quote talent. I get to interview people and talk to people, which is my favorite part and talk about topics I'm really interested in. I get to do the tech stuff. I get to do the editing. I get to do the, the advertising piece and the, the membership piece. I mean, I've, I'm on the business side. So it's really kind of cool because I get to do a little bit of everything. Sometimes it can be exhausting, but in general, I'm extremely grateful for it. And I was going to say, if it's a passion project to begin with, it's a little bit less work than I would imagine it normally would be otherwise. Well, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's not like I'm digging a ditch, you know, that would be, (laughs) and that's not the same thing against digging a ditch. Ditches are needed, but it's to say that it's something I wouldn't particularly enjoy that. I do enjoy this. I like at the end of the day, I have an episode and then it's, wow, we created that. And uh, I I particularly enjoy it with my campfire show, Jim Harold's campfire, which is spooky stories. uh, When you can piece together 10 spooky stories and make a 90 minute show out of it. Uh, That's really a lot of fun. People all over the world come on and tell their scary stories. And and, um, I just love that kind of at the end of the day, having like a thing that I made, you know, uh, and uh, I always try to get better. I'm always trying to figure out ways. How do I improve the sound? How do I do this? How do I do that? So I'm always trying to iterate and, and come up with new ideas and new ways to uh, make it uh, make it better. And I do have to say, I love that you went to 90 minutes for the campfire. Yeah, for me I, personally. I... <laughs> well, we just had too many stories. I couldn't I couldn't get them all in. And I said, you know, this is uh, a way to do that. And I've, the the reason I love the campfire is, you know, I kind of thought it'd be like a funny little diversion, you know. And honestly, it's my most popular show now. And I think it's because, and I, I think we're seeing more and more of this, but there was the day when people were afraid to tell these stories, that they thought somebody would laugh at them or make fun of them. You know, and the thing is, I've never done that. I mean, even if I I mean, we had a gentleman come on many years ago who said he saw a leprechaun. Now, you would think that's kind of a wild statement to say that he saw a leprechaun. 
But, uh, you know, he's very earnest in telling it, very seemed very sincere. And years later, I talked to someone about people seeing things like fairies and leprechauns and so forth, an author thing. And this happens. The thing is, and, and we had this discussion when you were on my show, the nature of reality is so much different, I think, than we think it is that... You know, I'm I'm very open to a wide range of experiences. Now, does that mean that everybody comes on the show who, who thinks they've seen a ghost has actually seen a ghost? Probably not in some cases. But I do believe the vast, vast majority of people who call into that show are being 100% sincere and they're sharing things as they feel they occurred to them. And I believe we just had some remarkable stories on that show. So <laughs> if anything, it has boosted my belief in the, the, the paranormal and the supernatural. And that's after having done the paranormal podcast uh, for, for several years, which I still do today. But uh, I think the Campfire Show really kind of boosted my faith in, in the existence of uh, the paranormal. Well, you're definitely known, even though you've covered a lot of different topics on your variety of podcasts, you're you're definitely known for being a paranormal guy. And so I have a couple of questions. Number one, what is your favorite paranormal, quote unquote, topic? And then, I mean, you've done so many things. Is there a topic that you haven't covered yet that you would like to cover? Well, probably my overall favorite. Well, first of all, when I say paranormal to me, paranormal means all of it. When I named it the Paranormal Podcast, most people now, when you say paranormal, they think, ah, ghosts. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's part of it. And I say UFOs are and maybe even cryptids and head scratchers, which are my favorite kind of stories, which are kind of like, huh? Sure. Uh, <laughs> so I include all of it. But I think my favorite topic is, and it's for very selfish reasons, is the afterlife and things like near-death experiences. Not, I, I mean, I'm interested in ghosts. But I'm interested in what happens when we die. And there's two reasons for that. And they're both very, very selfish. Uh, number one, I'm going to die. So I'd like to know what's going to happen. And number two, I'd like to know where my loved ones are, you know, and to know that they're still existent, even if it's on a different plane, even if it's not here, that's okay. You know, I'm sad they're not here with me. But to know that there's the opportunity to be reunited and see them again, that would be a, that would be a fantastic thing. So uh, the afterlife is the, the thing that resonates with me the most. And I love to hear of uh, near-death uh, experiences and, and, and those sorts of things. And uh, just uh, it's, um, it's amazing to me. And uh, I think a very important topic um, for obvious reasons to everybody that's listening to this. I do remember recently you were talking about having a picnic. Yeah. With all of your family members, and yeah, that would you be know, like my, that would be like a thing that I would love is like uh, once you shuffle off this mortal coil and go through processing, you know, and do whatever you have to do in heaven, you know, uh, absolutely, read you the the rules and so forth. <laughs> don't do this, do that. Uh, then you get to spend I don't know a hundred, two hundred years kind of catching up at a big family picnic. When I say family, I mean family and friends. And yeah, everybody's extended. Gone before you all, you all get to sit down and reminisce and talk to each other. And that would be kind of cool to me. Now, again, I have no idea if anything like that happens, but uh, that would be a, a pretty cool uh, feature of heaven if it exists. I agree. I know you kind of asked us this question, so I'm going to turn it right back on you. Uh -oh. When it comes to <laughs> a ghost or a spirit, what do you think that is? Well, I think there are a number of things. I think that it 
it feasibly could be sometimes the spirit of a dead person who maybe wants to come back and visit a certain place because that meaningfulness to us. Sometimes I think there can be residual hauntings. But I think when you talk about, and again, I'm not an investigator. You guys go out and investigate. I don't. I mean, everything I've gleaned is by talking to people who actually go out and do these things. But I've developed some theories. I also think they're less friendly entities. I think that they're in the minority, but I think there are. But I, I think, you know, this kind of thought, everything's a demon. I don't know if I, I buy that. But I do believe there's evil. I do believe there's evil. I do believe there's good. And then I'll bring up a point you brought in your answer to me is uh, sometimes there may be questions of time involved. Um, there was a story that we had on Campfire several, maybe a year ago. It was about this woman who had to go to a downtown area. And uh, she had to go on some kind of appointment and a family member or something dropped her off. And and she's walking out. She looks up and she sees a construction worker fall to his death. Horrible. And crashes to the ground. And she's looking around and she's looking around. Nobody's reacting. She looks back and everything's normal. The person isn't there. And she thought, oh, my gosh, am I imagining things? She even took to the point to go and look at the TV when she got home, see if there's no reports or anything. Later on, and, and this was, I should say, very important. This was at around 12 noon where she was at, okay, when this happened. So anyway, later on in the day, she turns on the news and they say, oh, tragic news from downtown. A construction worker fell to his death today at 3 p.m. Whoa. Yeah. Um, yeah, precognition. Yeah. Uh, so, so. But also precognition or was there some kind of time slip where she saw it actually happen, but saw it three, four hours early? I mean, I don't know the answer to that. And that's what sometimes is frustrating for me about all of this is the idea that I know that there's real stuff here. This is not just people's imagination. This is not just people making up stories. There's something real going on. But I'm damned if I know what it is. That's the that's the difficulty. One of my favorite stories that you've had on the campfire, and I'm sure you included it in one of the books that you've written. What are you up to? Number five of those now? Five, yes. I've got to find I've been so busy the last few years doing more podcast projects. I, I can never get to number six, but I have five so far, yes. There's the one that, that woman told where she goes into a bar, I think. I don't I know, know if she's I, with her. I knew husband. that was the one when you started to say it, the Roadhouse Saloon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to uh, retell that? Try to telescope yes. and retell it? Okay. Um, this is my favorite all time uh, campfire story. In fact, we have a version of it on YouTube that I can send you the link to. It's, uh, we went up and visited with her up in Michigan and oh, cool. did a video interview with her. It was so compelling years later, pre pandemic. I think we did it in 2019. Uh, but anyway, uh, her name was T.I. She was from Michigan, but visiting up in Wisconsin. And she went with a friend to see a band at a like a venue, a bar or whatever. And was in a rural area. And they actually stayed until two o'clock in the morning, closed the place down. They were musicians. So they went back and talked to the band. So they got out of there like two thirty in the morning or something. So they have about hour to drive back to. I guess they were at this campground or someplace. And it was about an hour away, and it was very rural. And T.I. gets about halfway home. She said, uh, you know, uh, the call of nature is here, and I've got to go to the restroom. And her friend Bob says, well, you've got two choices. <laughs> One is a bush <laughs> along the side of the road. It's <laughs> 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, or we can just wait till uh, we get home. And she said, drive fast, drive fast. 
So no sooner they said this, a little ways down the road, they see this bar, like an oasis, wide open, neon lights, cars, there's noise emanating from the place. They're like, wow, we don't understand that. It's past two o'clock in the morning. All the bars are supposed to be closed, but let's not look a gift horse in the mouth. Let's go and uh, go into this place and you can go to the restroom. So they went in. Bob got a couple uh, drinks from the bar. T.I. went and answered nature's call and came back. And uh, a couple things. He said everybody was acting really weird, kind of like blank smiles and looking at them. <laughs> and that was kind of strange. And then Bob had mentioned that he was actually glad they stopped this place because there was this mural of an Old West scene. You know, there's like cowboys and showgirls and all this stuff. Guys playing poker at the table. And they, she, he said he'd heard of it. That was really remarkable, but he'd never seen it. And it's like covers the whole wall on the one side. So they get in and they start looking at this mural. And they notice every person in the mural is actually physically in the bar. You know, there's this showgirl over here with this guy. And and uh, in the actual bar, there's a woman there that looks just like that. There's some guys playing poker. And uh, the same guys are there, but they're playing pool. So just kind of weird vibe. And they say, oh, well, maybe the artist was a regular here. This was an homage to regulars at the bar or whatever it might be. And then, and this is just a weird aside, but it does play later into the story. This this guy comes up to T.I., and and gives him this broad smile, gives her this broad smile. But then he has all rotten teeth and he asks T.I., would you like to dance? And T.I. has a cane and she holds up. And she says, no, 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 I don't do much dancing. She said she was grateful that she had it in this case to be able to beg off. He went over to the Woolitzer old style jukebox, the bubbler jukebox mm -hmm. with vinyl in it and played Chubby Checkers Let's Twist Again. <laughs> so anyway... Uh, Bob and T.I. continue to talk. They're having, you know, I think they got a beer each. They're, they're talking and they're looking at this mural talking about saying, you know, this place got a weird vibe. And they notice something. They have these swinging wooden doors, okay, that you see in the old movies, you know, where the, sh the, the, the gunfighter goes in and says, I want to see the sheriff, you know, that kind of thing. So anyway, they notice that there's two misty figures in that doorway, but they didn't notice it before. It's really weird. And they talk a little bit and they look back. And these misty figures are like developing in like a Polaroid picture. And they're a little more developed. And one's a little shorter, quite a bit shorter than the other one. And then they talk some more and they look back and it's like, there's a man and a woman inside. And they look back and T.I. notices the, the, the woman has curly hair and cowboy boots. And she has curly hair and cowboy boots. And then she notices the figure has a cane. And at that point, T.I. and Bob look at each other and say, let's get them out of here. So they go out and they open a door and the door closes and everything goes black. The place is totally closed. There's no lights. And I should say, as they were going out, the people were like motioning and beckoning them back and smiling. But when they go out, total darkness, like the place was never open. They look up into the parking lot that should be full of cars. There is a car, their car. They go, they leave. That's crazy enough. There's a couple kickers to this story, though. Kicker number one, T.I. is much braver than I am. I am a chicken. I am a coward. She goes back three or four days later with a friend. They go back about seven, eight. She's not that brave because she'd go back seven or eight o'clock at night, but <laughs> still braver than me. She walks in. She notices that there's a jukebox, sure enough, but it's not a Wurlitzer. It's not one of those old school vinyl jukeboxes, a classic it's a modern CD jukebox. And oh, by the way, 
no let's twist again, no chubby checker on the uh, jukebox. Then she's like, hmm, it's odd. And she walks over to the bartender. And the bartender is a, a woman. And uh, T.I. says, uh, you know, I was in here the other night. There was this big, strapping, good-looking guy behind the bar, bartender. It was The place was really busy and stuff. She said, ma'am, I'm sorry. There's only two bartenders here. There's me and my elderly father. And with that, T.I. thought, you know what? I think I'll just quit while I'm ahead. And she left and she's never been back. And the next kicker is the place exists. The mural exists, and I've had listeners who have gone and taken pictures. And also the researcher Chad Lewis, um, who does a lot on cryptids and things, took some pictures and shared with me, which are in that video. So the place is real. Now, I don't know their status since the pandemic. I don't know if they're still open, but there is a Roadhouse Saloon in Wisconsin. It is a place. It is real. And that is the wildest campfire story we've ever had. Yeah, and it's one of those, like you said, head scratcher, but also a time thing. Was was this some kind of leap back into time, or since the was mural was painted caught in some alternate reality? Yeah, I don't know. But like the, the mural came is, to life. This one is a little extra for me because I actually went and visited with Ti for a couple of hours. I took a videographer, and we, uh, a friend of mine who actually works for local television here, been doing videography for TV for twenty five years. We went to school together. We went up to Michigan and I sat with T.I. and I sat in her home and I looked her in her eye and I absolutely believe she is telling the truth. The story has never changed in over 10 years. What she encountered, I don't know. Uh, but that's the thing about the campfire. And I got to say, as much as I like doing the interviews, I think it's my favorite show now because you never know what you're going to get. It's, it's a, you know, the old Forrest Gump, uh, life's like a box of chocolates thing. You know, I think I've heard it all, and then I have a story like we had this last week about uh, a respiratory th therapist who saw her doppelganger twice in the same day. There's always something that you're not expecting, because the whole range of human experience, we just have so many of these wild stories, and almost everybody has one. And so I have to ask you, have you had any unexplained experiences yourself? You know, I'm going to tell one. Now, here's the thing. I think some of the most interesting ones don't fit into a box. I've never seen a ghost per se. I've had some weird things happen where I think I've I've narrowly escaped death, uh, where I think I was put in a certain place so certain things wouldn't happen. But I'm going to tell you one that is I've never really heard a story quite like it, but it's it's one where it's just I have a phrase I use and my kids actually make fun of me now. I use it so much. It's. It's too much of a coincidence to be a coincidence. And uh, here's the story. Uh, I was on a paranormal cruise a few years ago as a speaker. Uh, I was there. The late, great Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who was fantastic, was there. Micah Hanks was there. And we were doing, um, we had one day dedicated to just doing lectures to the group who had signed up to be a part of our group. So I had to follow Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Talk about stress. <laughs> she was so good. She was so good. <laughs> Uh, and we miss her very much. Um, yes. yeah. And uh, did the show 20 times, did my shows 20 times, literally. My favorite, wow. probably her and Brad Steiger, my two favorite guests of all time. But anyhow, I was getting ready to give my talk in a little conference room there on the boat, on the cruise ship, which was quite nice, right by the casino. So I had to walk through the casino because I had a little bit of cold. This is pre-COVID, so it wasn't COVID. It was just a 
playing the good old days of a normal cold. Right. <laughs> and and uh, I went to get some coffee and I walked uh, to get the coffee and I walked back through the casino. And as I walked back to the casino, I saw one of the members of our party playing this claw game. You know where the claw comes down and grabs merchandise? Like um, the, like the kids all, always play. Yeah, it's like the <laughs> CBS will have them, Walmart, places like that. Well, the thing was is that my favorite uncle who died in 2012, um, no, excuse me, 2013, he loved these machines. He would just blow like 10 bucks on them. And right there, I, I kind of stopped and looked at it for a minute, and I'm like, boy, my uncle would absolutely love this. Not only is it the claw machine, it's for money. It's not even for little stuffed toys. It's for money. <laughs> he would absolutely love this. And he was my favorite uncle, and he was like a second dad to me. And losing him was like losing a parent, really. I mean, he lived with our family. I spent as much time as I did with my dad. No, my dad, thankfully, is still with us. But he was like... My second dad, it was like losing a parent. So I, I just loved him very much. So I see this. I have an intense thought of him. I'm like, oh, God, I wish he were here. I wish he were here. Why can't he be here? And he would just love this thing. Probably blow like a hundred bucks. I mean, he's not going to win. It's, you know, it's set up for the house to win. But he would love it. Woman walks up next to the machine while I'm looking at it, cups her hand to her mouth and goes, John, John. Guess what my uh, uncle's uh, name was? John. John. So I told somebody else that story and they said, Steve. No. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And her husband came over. I assume it was her husband. And uh, but what are the chances? I'm in the middle of the ocean. Uh, One of the guys from our group is in the casino. He's actually playing the claw game. I stop right at the same time he's playing. I think specifically of my uncle, and this woman starts saying my uncle's name. Yeah. Now, is that a coincidence? Or, as I posit, is that my uncle somewhere up there saying, A, I'm going to have a little bit of fun with Jimmy, as he called me. Um, <laughs> that could be one because he was kind of like that. He's kind of a prankster. And two, saying, hey, you thought about me and I'm thinking about you too, and I'm still around. Yeah. And the funny thing about him, I will literally do this. I got a lot of his tools. I'm like kind of sort of handy. I mean, I can do stuff. I can put in an outlet. I can put in a basic light fixture if the light's there. I can do basic plumbing. But I know my limitations. I can can do so much, and then it's time to pick up the phone and call somebody who really knows what they're doing. (laughs) But but what I'll do is sometimes I'll be doing something around the house, and my uncle was very handy. And I'll say, okay, John, help me figure this out. And you know what? A couple minutes, I'll figure it out. Now, again, that could just be my psychology or that could be him helping me out. I don't know. I'd like to think it was him. Absolutely. And we call it synchronicity. Yep. Yep. No, I believe it's true. Or I'll even say something like, okay, I need a bolt this size. Can you help me find it, John? And, and, And I'll find it. And again, it could be just the fact I found it, but I like to think that it's John helping me out. Yeah, definitely. Well, Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Would you let everybody know how they can find out more about you and your variety of podcasts you have out there? Sure. The best place to go is jimherald.com. And there you can find all the podcasts. Really, our four uh, ongoing free podcasts are as follows. Number one, the Paranormal Podcast, which I've been doing since 2005. That's an interview show with authors and experts. 
Jim Harold's Campfire, which is usually, I recommend that as the starting place. And that is uh, Spooky Stories, 90 minutes every week. And I don't think we've missed a, uh, a week for years now. And uh, then we have two newer shows I'd like to direct you to, Unpleasant Dreams. My uh, college graduate daughter does that, and uh, she is doing more of kind of a narrative approach, kind of like what you hear uh, coming out of a Wondery or an NPR. And uh, she just did a fascinating episode on the case of Teresita Bassa, uh, the woman who was murdered and seems to have uh, meted out justice from beyond the grave. And uh, our newest show, that I'm doing with my wife, Dar Harold, and this is an ongoing show. You mentioned, I think, soulmate stories that we used to do, but this is a new show. It's called You Won't Believe What Happened to Me, and it's incredible non-paranormal stories that happen to people. So we've had celebrity sightings, someone who found out that um, they had uh, a long-lost brother and sister that they didn't know about, just kind of weird things that happen to people, uh, incredible things that happen to people, but they're not necessarily paranormal. And that's called You Won't Believe What Happened to Me, plus our Plus Club. But don't even worry about the Plus Club. Get the free stuff. Jim Harold's Campfire also on, and those other podcasts on your favorite podcast app. So just look up Jim Harold, H-A-R-O-L-D, and you should find me. Thank you so much, Jim. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, really a privilege and uh, continued success with your program and kudos for everything you've done. The privilege is ours. Thank you so much. We certainly appreciate you. Kelly, that was so much fun hanging out with Jim. It sure was. And the great thing is doing this, we were doing it on Zoom. We actually could like see him and talk to him. So it was almost like we were in the same room. Yeah, it was pretty neat. And he's so down to earth. I've always enjoyed his shows. And for those of you who enjoyed the audio and would like to actually get to see us doing it, the video is up over on our YouTube channel. So just check out History Goes Bump on YouTube. Yes, indeed. Want to thank you guys for joining us for this paranormal conversation. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye bye.